What up? Nothing, man. I apologize for my voice. I like. I think it's just lack of sleep. So, I apologize. I sound like a bad Mix 1029 DJ, but hopefully the more I talk, it'll loosen up a little bit. Are you trying to say Mix 1029 is bad? No, I love Mix 1029, man. Guys, it's, shut up. it's not even called Mix 1029 anymore, so obviously you're a fake fan. Ladies and gentlemen, make yourselves comfortable. I am Kent Garrison. I am Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barden. And this is Mad About Movie. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to movie podcast. We discuss movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings all in the first half of the show. And then we break down in the second half of our show, the movie of the week. To close things off, we give you our weekly recommendations. This week's movie of the week, Brian, is... World War Z. We've lost the East Coast. Moscow's still dark. Life as we know it will come to an end in 90 days. It's on us to change that. I can't leave my family. Don't pretend your family is exempt. Mm. It needs to be said like that, like World War Z. Yeah, I like it. A little gritty, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Man, this is going to be good. We've already talked about this movie um, kind of extensively already in in movie news, movie rumors, movie rumblings. Uh, Mm. So it's going to be good to see what we thought of it, uh, whether it's good or bad. Uh, you never know because it's going to be inter- entertaining either way. That's for sure. But guys, right off the top of the show, I want to give a shout out if that's okay. Yes, we, we're all about shout outs on this show. Uh, so shout out to um, iTunes user Janny Pants. We'd like to shout out to you for your five star review. Thank you very much. Uh, I just want to read it. Uh, the title is smart and funny, so I like it already, guys. Uh, stumbled upon this podcast looking for something movie related. These boys are smart and funny and have some really interesting discussions about the movies that they review. The format is easy to listen to. Spoilers are well alerted. And now I have a laundry list of movies to watch. They also do suggestions, which I love slash hate as my Netflix queue is already full. And I don't know when I'll be able to watch everything that they recommend. Yeah, that's my problem too. Just too much good stuff. I think that's right. Just too much awesomeness. Uh, but they go on to say, here's to Sherlock and House of Cards. Well played, gentlemen. Well played. Nice. Uh, so shout out to Jenny Pants. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks Jenny Pants. We appreciate that. Thanks for the five stars. Uh, if you also give us a five-star review, we will shout you out, probably on an upcoming episode of Mad About Movies. Uh, I'm out of breath already. Uh, but let's get things kicked off, shall we, gentlemen, uh, with a little bit of movie news, movie rumors, movie rumblings. Richard Barden. Mm, How are me. you, sir? I'm 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 great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to hear your voice, and it's good mm. to have you as always. Um, yeah. So go ahead and get us kicked off, if you will, with a little well, we, bit of movie news. We have a couple sequel uh, news uh, things coming. Um, well, a couple of things. Um, let's see here. Sorry, I've got my 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 list here. Um, oh yeah, we should talk about what do you guys think about this whole Jim Carrey? kick-ass two thing what are, what are your yeah. thoughts on that um i'll give my thoughts brian do you know what we're talking about yeah i do i i, I so, copy, so go uh, ahead and tell the audience uh what the deal is and give us your uh give us your thoughts basically 
basically Jim Carrey is uh, retroactively now um, coming out against the violence in his own film. Um, and will he's re- basically he's refusing to promote uh, promote the movie and is you know kind of telling people not to go see it. So um, that's that's what Jim Carrey's doing in 2013. And uh, I think that it's I don't know this stuff always bugs me. Like I I why are you in the movie? You know what I mean? Like I, I, things haven't changed that much in the let's say. Let's say the last year that the movie was in pre-production, was shot, post-production, all all that sort of thing. Has the world... I mean, I know there's things that have happened in the last year, but let's be honest. If you had this that sort of opinion um, in, now, you, you, you had it a year ago, I would, I yeah. would assume. So I, it's, right. it's just a little... It's a little disingenuous to me. It's kind of playing both sides of the coin. And I think that it... Honestly... Publicity stunt, maybe? Maybe a publicity stunt or maybe just, hey, um, this is why Jim Carrey's career kind of sucks is because he is kind of known for sticking his foot in his mouth a little bit and just being kind of a pain in the butt to deal with on a lot of fronts. And when your talent, well, when regardless of talent, when people really love you, people, you know, other Hollywood people will put up with you. But when you haven't had a hit movie in over a decade and you start to wonder if he's going to be, if he's worth dealing with anymore. So (laughs) that's got to hurt his, his, uh, whatever is going on. I know last week, Kent, you said you thought, uh, he was ready for a resurgence this year. And I thought you were right, but I I think things like this are certainly not helping his cause. Yeah. Not at all couple things. I mean, he's a little nutty. I think we all know. Mm -hmm. As everyone that reaches that level of fame, especially comedically, seems to end up being a little nutty, i.e. Eddie Murphy, Jim Carrey, that thing. Robin Williams to an extent. Uh, In his defense, I'll I'll play both sides here. In his defense, he he is citing uh, the Sandy Hook shootings, which took place after he had filmed the movie as sort of changing his... uh, you know, view on violence, which is sure. Fair I mean, enough. I can buy that. Yeah, sure. I can buy that. I think that's reasonable. Um, but if that is the case and you're going to kind of submarine the movie promotion process, I would maybe give, you know, some of my salary either back or to right. that community or yes, something. Cause exactly. you don't get paid, you know, when you're in Jim Carrey's category or any sort of movie star, I mean, you don't really get paid so much to make the movie. You get paid to promote the movie. And, if you're not going to promote the movie, then your value to that, you know, production company, I think is, is limited. I think it would have been a little better in better taste to, instead of kind of, even though he, he was polite in his statement, it, instead of kind of summarizing the uh, promotional momentum of this movie to then say, so I made whatever he made for this movie, $5 million. I'm going to give, you know, 3 million of that to Sandy hook and I will not be promoting this movie. I wish everyone well, very, it's a great piece of art, but the violence makes me uncomfortable. And right. here's three million dollars for Mothers Against Violence, and have, everyone have a great day. And I think, but he didn't, you know, he still collected his check for the movie, <laughs> and then right. talked about how horrible, you know, the violence is. That seems disingenuous to me. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think they can do? I mean, there's no way he can protest to the point where they have to cut out some of his scenes. Is there? You know what I mean? It's like what. What they shot is what they no, shot. They can yeah. use whatever they want. You know I mean, what I mean? 
he's he's just not, he's, and I don't think he's demanding that. I think he's just saying he cannot support the movie. And by that, I think he means he's not he will not press for it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and so sense. that's fine. Yeah. But doing press is part of your agreement contractually. I wouldn't be surprised if they sue him for the, some of their money the, back. The irony of it is, though, I mean, he's telling people not to see it. But him saying that is going to make more people yeah. probably see it. You know, right. <laughs> totally. Yeah, so if he would totally. have said nothing, and maybe after it came out, said, you know, I don't support this, it's, it'd be totally different. But it's actually probably gonna gonna help business. So the studio probably doesn't even care at this point. Um, so that's interesting news. Um, we'll have to see about that one. I we'll do Kick Ass two episode. I'm sure. Uh, I really enjoyed Kick Ass. So right. uh, maybe Kick Ass two will be better. Hopefully. Um, so I got a, I got a couple other sequel things, Richard. Uh, to okay. mention, unless you have something else right now. Uh, no, I had a trailer I was going to ask you about. So stay on on movie spoiler news, and then I will talk about the trailer. I'm All right. about. Well, we have some Marvel news. Some quite big Marvel news to announce. Um, Brian, you actually kind of broke this one to us, I think, right after we wrapped last podcast. Um, we never got to mention it on the, on, the, on the show, so I would like to do that now. It involves Mr. RDJ, Robert Downey Jr., one of the one of the our favorites here, here yep. on Mad About Movies, and um, why don't you go ahead and break the news, Brian, with, uh, with oh, Marvel and, and RDJ? Yeah, he he came out there. Somebody came out. I don't know whoever released it, and uh, he uh, that Robert Downey Jr. has signed on to do two more Avengers movies. So we're getting Avengers two and Avengers three, jam packed, filled with Robert Downey Jr. Wow. That now that you said it aloud, it makes it even cooler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. You know, um, I I do think I will say this. I think you could make Avengers movies without Iron Man, um, and yeah. would kind of be interested to see them in some on some level. Um, when we've talked about whether or not Downey Jr. was going to come back, we we usually we mostly talked about the Iron Man movies, and and I think we all kind of agree you really can't make Iron Man movies without Robert Downey Jr. But you could, I mean, to recast that character would be um, kind of a disaster, I think. So, but uh, but you could you could do um, Avengers movies just with no no Iron Man involved. I think in the comics, one of my buddies that's a big comic guy um, had told me at one point, I believe that uh, a lot of times in the comic in the Avengers comics, uh, Iron Man is mostly like the financial backing or whatever for the Avengers. He's right. not really involved. He's just kind of, you know, lending technology and support and cool gadgets and things like that. Um, so you could do Avengers, but that said, um, I think we can all agree that, uh, any movie, <laughs> any movie is better with, with Tony Stark in it. So, uh, it's definitely a, a bonus for sure for, for Avengers two and Avengers three. Yeah. Uh, what it does, I think, more in terms of why why Marvel wanted it to happen so bad is, I mean, it pretty much guarantees them that the, it's going to be a hit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, it's it's a pretty much a gar- bona fide guarantee that Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark draws a crowd. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think what is it now? Iron Man three is number four all time or something box office, something crazy. So- so, yeah. I mean, it basically guarantees that Avengers 2 and 3 are going to be billion-dollar movies uh, because I don't think they're confident, you know, in the other Avengers to carry a film. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Thor is quite there or Captain America. You know, I guess these, these you know, 
other standalone movies coming out, Thor: The Dark World and, right. and The Winter Soldier, will will kind of determine that. But I mean, I think they're kind of you know putting all their cards on Downey for Avengers two and three. Well, I mean, we'll have to see though. We really will. Um, Richard, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, to me, you have to have you have to have Downey at least for a couple more to really set up that series. And then if you want to start, you know, getting cute with it and break away from it, go for it. But, uh, no, it's good. I think it's the perfect, you know, it frees him up to kind of not have that Iron Man obligation looming over him the next few years. He can kind of, you know, work a little more part-time on the uh, Avengers and do some other, you know, maybe more interesting projects that we haven't seen him do since he started Iron Man. Not that Iron Man's not great, but, you know, we've got three of those. But at the same time, it never shuts the door totally on... uh, on Iron Man, so you know if if those other projects don't go particularly well, and he wants to make another Iron Man, then you know let's do it. Yeah. So um, uh, I think I think it's a smart call uh, to not commit to any more Iron Man movies at, at this point from him, and uh, you know just just commit to these Avengers movies, um, and and uh, just be part of that team, and then you know always keep your keep your options open because you know Johnny Depp was the biggest movie star on the planet eight years ago, and now I'm pretty much tired of Johnny Depp. So I don't think I'll get that way with uh, Robert Downey Jr., but you never know. So he may, yeah. ne- he may need to have that Iron Man card in his back pocket. But unlike Depp, he's just not cranking out Captain Jack Sparrow movies every five minutes. Right. Which is, you know, smart. Yeah. yeah. I read an interesting article about Johnny Depp today where it said when he travels, he literally takes the Captain Jack Sparrow outfit with him wherever he goes. Just in uh, case. Just in case. <laughs> no, but he does it because he stops at like hospitals and stuff, and goes and like visits kids. Oh, okay. But it's he said he does it because he helps him stay in the character or whatever, because he knows he's gonna have to do all these pirates movies. So it helps him like I guess stay in character for the time time period that he's off uh, <laughs> off wow. from pirates. So he's pretty much always in his free time, mind you, <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but man, I can't uh, decide if I hate him more or like him for that. Yeah, exactly. It's just like one of those uh, things. It's like, ugh. um, but I I'd love to funny. see like some kid. that's like just stricken with some horrible disease and <laughs> Jack Sparrow comes off. in. He's just like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we made 18 of these movies. But only the first one's any good. Yeah. yeah, it's just doing him doing a Keith Richards impression. The yeah, yeah, I get it. we get it. He's yeah. quirky. Yeah. Um. What 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 is his next movie? Lone Ranger. That's in oh. a few yeah. weeks. Yeah, yeah that's just, really just, soon. Yeah, yeah. That's Jack up. Sparrow, but an Indian. So <laughs> it's all right. At least uh, you know, at least Tim Burton's not involved. That's true. That's that we true. know of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a guest director. And cameo, <laughs> and Danny Elfman doing the soundtrack. Um, yeah. They oh, need to be banned from hanging yeah. out for twenty years. Stay away from each other for ten years minimum. And, and honestly, like if if it's like twenty twenty five, and they go Tim Burton and Johnny Depp are making a movie together, I'll probably be pumped. But can I just have a couple years off? Right. Can yeah, I have right. ten years without you guys hanging out and making just a hot <laughs> hot, hot topic commercial whenever yeah. you guys. <laughs> just a <laughs> <laughs> Dark know. Shadows was literally a commercial for Hot Topic. I think. <laughs> it was it was it was the worst we have I've seen in a long time, and it, I, I I seriously think it was invented by the owners of Hot Topic for merchandise. <laughs> I didn't even. Bo- I didn't see it. 
So. Just think, well, it's nothing, so bad. Nothing it's appeals so to it. freaking bad. It looks it's like so... Edward Scissorhands in 2011. Or That's what I mean. I'm seriously, it's completely contrived by the Hot Topic people. I really think so. <laughs> that was another, that was one of those, uh, like, you're, you guys with, with the Now You See Me crowd, like, my wife and I went to see that. And we both, within ten minutes, we were both looking at each other like, "Do we just, do we just leave, or do we continue?" <laughs> I mean, sitting through this, and everybody else in the theater was having the time of their lives. <laughs> it's so, always the, yeah, the worst just, feeling in the world. It was. I just, I just hated humans for for two hours. But nice. Yeah, it's it's especially Ken. You should see that one. If, if Brian saw Now You See Me, and we both saw After Earth, <laughs> yeah. you have to watch Dark Shadows. Yeah. Oh no, no. It's on HBO no. right now. So give us your. Oh really? Review. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I might have to check that out then. Uh, there's no, there's literally nothing appealing about that right. movie. Like I can't, yeah. I can't even tell you what it's about. Like I, I have no, no desire whatsoever. Well, well I've seen it and I can't really. Hopefully, tell you a this. sequel. I mean, Dark Shadows too. Well, like, what if we told you, Kent? Kind of, I'm going to do the thirty for thirty thing. <laughs> what, what if I told you? What if I told you that? I was going to remake a campy, pretty funny 60s TV show, but rob it of all humor. <laughs> it's like if they made Adam's Family as a serious like murder mystery, and you're just like, the whole time, like, what the heck? And this, this was funny, right? The original was funny. Wow. Yeah, it's great. It sounds, it sounds good. I'm not sure that Johnny Depp knows that he was in that movie. Like, he may have been just... Yeah, completely stoned, or maybe legitimately just asleep the entire yeah. time. And he was getting so divorced, funny. probably. I think at that time, if my time yeah. frame's correct, so he's probably just didn't even know. Let me guess, right. guys is is Helena Bonham Carter in it? <laughs> Shockingly, she is. Oh yeah. no! Yeah. Really? Who would have? Who would have? Oh yeah! <laughs> who would have oh, yeah. thought? Would have thought? Yeah. Did you? Uh, who would have thought? Did you guys ever see that Warwick Davis show that Ricky Gervais wrote on on uh, HBO? It's yeah. and, too short. Yeah, and they're talking with they're talking with Johnny Depp, and he's trying to brag about how much you know money his movies make to Ricky Gervais, and he goes, "I'm about to do another movie with Tim Burton, and can you guess who my love interest is in this movie?" <laughs> and Ricky Gervais goes, "Hannah Bottom Carter," and he's like, "How did you know?" And I was like, "Man, Johnny Depp gets it. Totally Why do you keep doing it then?" Yeah, yeah, knock it off, dude. <laughs> it's in his in his wife. Isn't he married to Helena Bottom Carter, Tim Burton? Yeah. Yes. I thought. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, I don't know. We just went off on a crazy yeah. tangent there. <laughs> from Avengers to Helena Bottom so Carter. That's what okay. we did. That's what you should expect from us, Jenny Pants and everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so I've got some news here. Okay. Not really news. I'm just interested in your thought. We haven't really talked about this. What What do we make of this Wolf of Wall Street trailer? Oh, um, yeah. I wanted, so to, I wanted to talk about that. Pretty um, great, right? Pretty freaking awesome. Not at all what I expected. No. I really thought it was going to be like a very serious Scorsese, yeah. Goodfellas type movie. But I mean, Goodfellas is funny too, but I mean, yeah. she didn't play it. But you know what I mean? I thought it was I knew the really book was hard. funny. I'd heard the book was funny, but I okay. just thought they'd take all that out. Because Scorsese's yeah. been really humorless since he, for like 25 years, right? I mean, his right. movies don't have a whole lot of, they're great, but they're not, you know, Gangs of New York isn't necessarily a laugh riot. Right. Um, but man, that looks awesome. I'm excited for Funny Leo. I've never really seen Jeez. Funny Leo. Um, that's just Kanye West's music's in the trailer, so I'm already in on that. Yeah, perfect. Perfect <laughs> no. score for that trailer, by the way. Like, oh, 
So drives it so well. McConaughey again. McConaughey oh, man. awesome. What? I'm telling you, I have he... a theory. Him and Woody Harrelson agreed. <laughs> Woody's taking this decade off, and he's just giving all of his roles to McConaughey. Oh, and it's... Woody's and Woody's doing all the McConaughey parts. It's true. McConaughey totally would have been in Now You See Me five years ago. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah, and Woody true. totally would have been in this. And I'm serious. They they did they did like a parent trap thing or something's going on there. Because <laughs> I don't know what to do with talented Matthew McConaughey. I honestly don't know. I don't know what to do. I can't place him. That's the thing. Okay, seriously, guys. This is, this is the question that goes through my head with McConaughey. Was he always a talented guy and he just – took and didn't care just took crappy roles kind of did the Affleck thing where he just took really bad roles because it was money and he didn't really care or or did he somewhere along the line did he like I don't know take classes or something <laughs> and figure out yeah. how to be a good actor because I mean we're talking legitimately over a decade of oh my gosh this is the this is a terrible movie everything that he's in is a terrible movie yeah. and then suddenly this last two years it's like I mean, I, I've said on here before when I recommended Mud that I would never, I would never have guessed two years ago. I mean, I, I would, if I could go back in time and and tell myself this, I would have punched future self in the face because there's no way that I would ever think that my favorite movie of the of a given year would star Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, like that's just it's outrageous to me. It may not even be his best movie of the year. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. got a bunch of stuff on the, you know, that's what's nuts. Um, it's definitely the year of McConaughey so far. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I really don't even know what to do with it. I'm. I'm. I'm enjoying it though. I like him. I've yeah. always thought he. You know, he's one of those guys. Like, uh, yeah. I, there's not a single movie of his I've I've enjoyed. But uh, I'd like to hang out with that guy. But he's got some stories, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but now it's just yeah. I don't know. I'm pumped though. This Wolf of Wall Street looks fantastic. Yeah, it does. It, stoked for that. It it reminded me of like. Catch me if you can too, or like yeah. Frank Abagnale Jr. and you know tw- ten years later. Yeah, because that's the most lighthearted, th- and I love Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. yeah, one of my favorite movies of all time. But that's and it that's not an especially comedic movie. There's some funny parts, but that's probably the most lighthearted we've ever seen Leo. Yeah. So this is going to yeah. take that to a whole nother level, and it looks like he's handling the comedy really well. Um, and the scenes with uh, Jonah Hill and Leo together. Yeah. That's going to be greatness. And it looks yes. like from that one, like the the uh, dwarf tossing thing, that they're improving. The yeah. the cadence that they're talking seems like they're kind of riffing. That's what I mean. And, yeah, and that is so not Scorsese and so not Leo. So I'm excited to see that whole dynamic. I'm I'm just pumped. This has probably become my most anticipated movie of the year. Um, I still want to see the trailer for. I can't think of the title right now. I'm terribly unprofessional. The uh, the the new Clooney movie with Bill Murray. Monument, monument, yeah. I don't think that, I don't think the trailer's out yet. No, there's no trailer for that yet. But I mean, that was my most anticipated movie of the year. With isn't it a Fastbender and John Goodman? Yeah, and, and Bill Murray and Clooney and yeah. Matt Damon and Matt Damon. Yeah. So, so kind of a weak cast, but I still think <laughs> the plot might be good. That one's going to be straight to the Oscars. It's going to come out like Christmas week. Yeah, it's absolutely. Be like best picture the next week or whatever. Yeah. So I mean that that remains my most most just because I love everyone involved in that. But uh, after seeing this trailer, it might have been Leapfrog temporarily. Yeah, I would put those at two and three behind Smurfs too. Uh-huh, right, absolutely. Sorry, I misspoke. Because <laughs> the CG just looks so great. <laughs> we were watching trailers. that. Yeah, we were watching not at all thrown th- together. You know, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, we need to. Oh, we forgot to hire a uh, a CGI team. And my son's got a MacBook. I'll just <laughs> yeah. 
cool. He can go ahead and cut the trailer while he's at it. It's cool. He's 11 and a half. He's got a learning disability, but he'll be fine. Yeah, and we'll debut it during the NBA playoffs because <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the core audience. Yeah, because yeah. hipsters and black guys love the Smurfs. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I, I just wanted to say about um, about the Wolf of Wall Street trailer, Scorsese really has has grown into this new age of filmmaking. Has yeah, he not? You know, yeah, it's amazing. It's yeah, he's adapted like, so well. Like I mean, he's made pr- arguably the best three D movie ever, you know. Yeah, and yeah. he's gonna like pull Judd Apatow with this one. You know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, what can he not do? Yeah, perfectly, think, you know. Yeah, he's made some great music documentaries. I mean, he's yeah. he's got to be the most versatile director of all time. Which is funny because eighty eight percent of his movies are exactly the same. Right, but yeah. when he does branch out, it's like totally it's different. different. Yeah. It's he off. was also Richard. Did you see? I know. I know. Can't watch it. Did you watch the the side by side documentary that Keanu yeah. Reeves was? Uh, he yeah. was. Uh, he's not in it as much as some of the other guys, but he was to me at least. He was one of the ones that, as you watched him talk, you know, and listen to what he was saying, you you really picked up on that. You know what I mean? You could tell that he is a true student of the craft, not yeah. just. Not just I'm going to do it my way or this, you know, whatever. It was a, uh, it was very um, pointed that he understood um, where the medium was going and how to. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting to listen to him talk about that. I need to check that out. Like, like the opposite of a guy like Tarantino who won't even is stopping, you know, making movies because of the projection systems are digital. <laughs> right. Not right. even the camera he's using. Uh, and Scorsese is like the opposite. And he's like, oh, I can do 3D now? Yeah, I want to do that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you mean I can shoot digital now? Oh, of course I'm going to do that. It's, it's 10 times easier, you know? Like he's yeah. growing with the medium perfectly. And his movies are adapting to it. And it's it shows. I think this is going to be maybe, guys, maybe uh, Leo's Oscar. I hope it's, so. It's got to be. I mean, yeah. it's got to happen sometime. It's got to happen. I mean, <laughs> If he's I mean, not it's going to, you know, it's like yeah. the Academy probably thinks he already has an Oscar or something. It's like, <laughs> right now, how, how if many more great at, performances does this guy have to have? You know, if you're scoring at home, um, three, six mafia has one more Oscar than <laughs> DiCaprio and Eminem. Yeah. 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 And the guy from fly the Concords. Right. All have one more Oscar than Leo DiCaprio. It's true. Uh, three, That's six sad. mafia. So he's yeah. got. Hey guys, hey guys, guys, it's, it's guys, hard. It's, it's hard out there it's for, hard for <laughs> That is true. Uh, I, I mean, guys. no, I have that tattooed on my back, so trust right. me, I, I know that more than anyone. Yeah, um, I want to mention uh, one more thing for movie news. By the way, can I just say this? Has there ever yeah. been a more reverse racist moment than that one in the Academy Award? Like, <laughs> has white guilt ever existed more in the world? Then when Three Six Mafia wins the Oscar for yeah. it's hard out there for a pimp. Yeah. Every old white guy like, no, I like that song. It's important. <laughs> it's important to cinema. You're just like, come yeah. on. Yeah. We get true. it. You're you're cool with black people. I am too. I, you should be. I mean, it's 2007 or whatever it was at the time. Like, we don't have to make up for it. I don't know. Just awful. I uh, I agree. Awful. It's Awfully go- funny. And just people were so pumped when it won, like just something. Yeah. And I was too at the time. I, I was really excited it won, but then looking back, I was like, "Wow, a song called 'It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp' <laughs> won an Academy Award." 
What were we doing? Were we all high? <laughs> What's going on? Sorry. I don't know. That's a good I, I question. Guess. I was high. I don't know yeah. about you. Um, I want to mention one more one more movie, and, and it involves Jonah Hill. Um, 21 Jump Street sequel has yeah. been announced. Nice. Uh, we haven't talked about this. I think it's been announced for a while. So, um, Brian Gill, did you like the first one? And uh, give us your thoughts on the sequel. Love 21 Jump Street. One of the, like... One of the more, one of the stranger movie experiences ever because, you know, they, A, they announce it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be horrible. Like, there's yeah. no, there's no way this is good, right? <laughs> and then they show the, tra- I think Richard and I talked about this at the time. They show the trailer and the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, it looks awful. And the second time I was like, yeah, it looks bad, but I'm going to see it. And the third, by the, about the fifth or sixth time I saw the trailer, I was like, this might be the funniest movie of the year. Like, and it was, it was so funny. And I, I watched that movie at least a half dozen times since it yeah. came out on on DVD, and really? I just I think it's I think it's hilarious. Yeah. And I don't love Jonah Hill. We'll talk about that in our next episode. But I'm not the biggest Jonah Hill fan, and I I certainly wasn't a Channing Tatum fan at that time. He's learning from Matthew McConaughey, apparently. Yeah, they they hung out. He's and, gotten awesome. I don't know. They hung um, out on uh, what's the yeah Magic from, Mike. Yeah, yeah, Magic Mike. Right. Yeah, but no, I anyway. I, 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 I thought do this right. I thought Twenty One Jump Street was one of the most original, um, funniest comedies that I've that I've seen in a long time, and it's one of the few comedies I feel like that I'm like that I legitimately am excited for a sequel and feel like that it could work with a sequel. It's almost in itself a sequel, right? I mean, it's pretty much totally. Super, it's super bad too, in like a, its own weird way. <laughs> sure, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 totally like I'm really fired up for it. I uh, I, I had the same experience as you did, just. You know, Jonah Hill is so funny in that movie, and he's not even the funniest part. Um, yeah. You know, Franco's little Franco's great, and uh, Channing Tatum steals the show, and it's great. So, yeah, I mean, if they go to, I guess they're going to college in the sequel. Is is yeah. uh, is yeah, Jonah yeah. is Jonah and his team writing it, or I think are Jonah so. and his team writing? I think yeah. Cool. I'm in. Come in. I'll be there opening weekend. Yep. Uh, let's do it. Podcast it. Um, yeah. Boom. That'll be good. Yeah, that was really surprising. Uh, Ice Cube, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Randomly. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. So much better than Coors Light commercials, Ice Cube. Please please well, keep doing these things. <laughs> he better be making like $8 million for those commercials, right? I know. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to yeah. be. He did Are We There Yet? He ran out. Right. So. What was so. On, on that SNL bit on two sides? What was the movie <laughs> that he was in? It's like something with a panda. I can't yeah. remember what it's called. But, yeah. Ah, uh, man. That's such a classic. <laughs> One of my favorite SNL bits ever. Yeah. Two sides. Two sides. Better actor, guys. Ice Cube or Ice T. Ooh. Oh, man. Oh, man. It just got that's, real. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's pretty tough. Uh, I'll go I'll go Ice Cube. <laughs> I just am reminded. I don't like doing, like, other people's bits on this show, but this one's so funny. I'll do a recommend. If you haven't – if you're not familiar with the uh, – Comedian John Mulaney. Yes. He does yes. the classic Ice Cube on SVU thing where he's like, wait, you mean to tell me that this guy enjoys having sexual relations with little girls? And he's just like, yeah, Ice, he's called a pedophile. You work in, <laughs> you work in the special victims unit. You should probably brush up on this. <laughs> like how he's always so blown away that there's yeah. like deviants in the world. Yeah. Like you've worked in the special victims unit in New York City for 11 years, and you are now just still blown away. Wait, you mean this guy likes to have sex with women against their will? 
Yeah, ice. Yeah, ice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's a crime. Seriously, though, yeah. <laughs> to echo that, New in Town is the album. Yeah, If you're Perfect. at all a fan of stand-up comedy, that's one of the best albums of the last couple of years, <laughs> yeah. for sure. So, Fantastic. Well, uh... <laughs> Great, great Ice Cube, Ice Tea discussion. <laughs> this has been my favorite movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings. It's a really slow week. I mean, it really slows down yeah, in summer. And so all these movies that, you know, we've been reporting on news are now out. So right. it's kind of like uh, not a huge – everyone, I think, is on vacation and stuff. Right. But uh, there's still some stuff leaking. Um, we'll fill you, you know, in. You know? Yeah. Well, as the weeks go on, it'll, it'll heat back up. You know, all the Oscar – type movies will start releasing trailers and things here pretty soon and comic we'll start... con will bring a bunch of stuff with it as well yes and when is that brian do you know uh it's, it's in it's august up it? soon. yeah, yeah july or august. it's the next few weeks yeah so um you guys want to move on talk about world war z let's do so hey what's up ma'am fam kent here and yes if you're hearing from me you know it's time to talk about blue apron if you haven't tried out blue apron by now what the heck are you even doing Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Is there anything left out there? If we knew where this thing started, then maybe we could kill it. I think these things have a weakness. Every human being we save. One less to fight. All right, guys, World War Z. Oh, man. This this movie is so so confusing in so many ways. <laughs> oh, where do we start, Richard? You wanna you wanna start well, us off? I will start us off, but I don't think I know as much about it as probably you two do. But I'll kind of be the the narrator of the story, and then you guys just jump in because I think we should start with the little backstory of the production, right? Because that's what makes yeah, right. this movie interesting. Well, we 
Richard, we should start with, I feel like we should start with the book. You've got, okay. I, I feel like people need to understand the, the book and, and why so many fans of the book were so very frustrated with this movie to begin with. Mm-hmm. So um, the book yeah, is written as, uh, so what, like six, seven years ago, Max Brooks, son of Mel Brooks, um, wrote a book called Zombie Survival Guide, which yeah. was a yeah. kind of uh, satirical but not necessarily funny uh, way to, you know, in a very sort of true life way, if there were to be a zombie apocalypse, how one would survive it, right? Am I correct? Right. I didn't read it, so. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah I have read that, yeah. Okay, so, and then he followed it up with a kind of sequel, which is a history, I believe, right? World yeah. War Z is written as a history book of a fictional war that was, you know, against this uh, disease, and it's kind of a, um, a biochemical war story. Uh, but, you know, because the disease uh, then makes you turn into not a classical horror movie zombie, but, you know, what one would think all the traits of a zombie uh, right. makes your heart stop beating, but you still move and you, you know, foam at the mouth and you most importantly eat flesh. So right. uh, that is the the book, right? So it's a satirical book, but it's not funny. Right. And it's because uh, a lot of people see Mel Brooks's son and they assume, I assume forever it was comedic. And I didn't even know until like a year ago that it's not. Right. Um, so that's the book. And it's a very well-respected uh, very well read. I mean, everyone except for yeah. me has read this book, right? And uh, and was early in this new. You know, we we are apparently run by zombies now in this country. Uh, I think <laughs> our 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 greatest export as a, as a country <laughs> now is, is zombie related goods. Yeah. Um. And so, but this was kind of one of the earliest. One of the things that you know, there probably is no Walking Dead if there's not World War Z, the totally. book. Um. And it's an oral history. Written as an oral history. Written so as like, an oral history, right. Each chapter is written from the perspective of a different person. Okay, cool. Ah. And so this book, uh, I worked at a bookstore in college when this book was uh, out, and it was one of the highest selling things for a really long period of time. It's not like yeah. it was like The Secret and hot for a week and a half, right. um, but was very popular for for years and you know remains to be. Uh, so – that's that's the book, and so there was a huge bidding war over the movie rights because you you know you you see zombie story, you figure um, that's going to be uh, you know easily easily filmable and translatable to some sort of movie, right? And so there's a bid bidding war between Brad Pitt production company uh, Plan B and Leonardo DiCaprio's production company. I don't know. I look. I have good hair. I don't know what his what his production company is called. I, I was in Growing Pains Productions or something. Right. And, <laughs> Spirit blood over Carrie Washington's face. Yeah. Production. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and um, so anyway, in Brad with Brad Pitt's production company uh, winning the 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 bidding, obviously because Brad Pitt's in the movie. Uh, the movie the filming started what like thirty three years ago, something like <laughs> yeah, that. Pretty much. They filmed yeah. this movie. Um, you can you can tell because Brad Harris Brad Pitt's hair is much longer uh, than it was. Uh, no, but uh, so they start filming this movie, and immediately we start us movie nerds that follow these type of things start hearing that trouble is afoot on the set. And Brian, I'll let you take over from here. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there was so much there was so much coming out that I I don't know about you guys, I kind of stopped paying attention. Yes. I almost thought in my in my mind that it was it wasn't ever going to get Absolutely. made, Absolutely. like that it was just going to get scrapped halfway through because it was just such a disaster um but 
apparently Brad Pitt and the director, Mark Forster, did not get along at all and had different visions for the film. And to the point that, I mean, that happens a lot. We hear about that happening occasionally sure. where, you know, the director and the star don't get along. And but, it's hard because, you know, you've normally the director is a de facto boss on the set. But you have to keep in mind, Brad Pitt paid for the rights to film the movie. Exactly, so exactly. That, they're naturally going to butt, butt heads, I think. Right. Understand. But but this apparently got so bad that, <laughs> that nice, but uh, that they were not. They literally they they talked through a third person. They had somebody do the you know the sixth grade girl thing of would you tell Brad that I said this you know and back and forth. Um, they were unable to talk on the set, um, and then the big thing that that prompted I think our interest to, to jump. It was supposed to come out in December last year around Christmas time. Um, and it got bumped early because it, it, it was, I don't have an exact date, but it, a lot of times those things get bumped and it's like, oh, it just got bumped and it was supposed to come out like three months from now. You know what I mean? It got bumped way early, like in February maybe. Yeah. Um, and, and people should know, I mean, not everyone follows the business. If it gets bumped out of December, yeah, um, it's normally, I mean, Gatsby got bumped for a reason, right? It was yes. supposed to be, the studio had it planned as sort of an Oscar-y type movie. They saw screenings of it and said, we need to get this the heck out of December, right, right. and let's just go try to make some money in the summer with it. And so right. never bodes well if a movie is bumped. Conversely, if a movie is bumped from, say, August to December, that means it's better than expected, right? Exactly. And so uh, this was obviously not well thought of in the studio because of right. you know what had been going on on the set. Right. So we what we came to find out is – and without – I won't – None of us will spoil anything here at the beginning. So if you're if you haven't seen it yet, don't don't worry about that. But the entire third act of the film had to be completely not just rewritten but reshot. That they had okay. they had pretty much finished the production of this film. So basically, somewhere there is another almost finished copy of this film that is completely different in the third act so they brought in it, it tested so poorly that they brought in damon lindelof and a, i think a couple other people to do rewrites to do reshoots and that led to the budget ballooning to it's we still haven't seen definite figures but it was reported that it it, it ballooned to 400 million dollars we talked about this in one of our other other mm-hmm. episodes 400 million dollars would make it the most expensive movie ever by over a hundred million dollars so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, the more, because it hasn't necessarily been confirmed, I doubt it's at 400. I, I agree. But right. I bet it's, I bet it's at 300. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it definitely was expensive to redo. Right. Um, and sorry, go ahead. No, you're right. No, you're, you're, that's great. And at the same time, we started getting trailers for this movie and it became readily apparent to readers of the book like myself. And, and I should say, I don't, I really don't give a rip about the zombie bit i think it's very tired and I'm, i've never cared i really don't care um but world war z is just such a great piece of science fiction it's so smart so intelligent uh and so well written that that i just i mean I, I read it four or five years ago and i fell in love with it um but you could tell from the first trailer this has nothing to do with the book beyond perhaps just the title um and why is that brian because i you know i've read the book why how could you tell in the trailer um just totally just totally, it, just totally? Yeah, just, Totally. Here's the thing. When I read the book, I envisioned in my mind very clearly that you could. So I got excited for a future movie just based on if they went and they cast 
because the whole thing is written again as an oral history and it's one guy it's a journalist at the beginning writes an introduction and then he's talking about how we're going to go through and we're going to we're going to trace back the beginning to the beginning of the of the zombie apocalypse and and carry on through to 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 the end of it um and so through the process through the the course of the book he's interviewing all these different um people that had some impact or another on on the uh the zombie wars um and in my mind it made so much sense to cast 15, say 15, whatever, 10, 15 um, name-slash-face actors, people that you know in mm-hmm. each of these roles, um, shoot with kind of a, a handheld, gritty style, uh, these you know sort of interviews with these people, and then cut it, piece it all together with flashback shots that are going to be more action-y and things like that. Um, I thought that if you did it that way and, and filmed it, very much like the book that you're going to get uh not only a great sci-fi movie but a potentially to me and in my opinion a, you could make a an oscar caliber blockbuster which yeah. is so you know the thing that everybody wants well, you know what i mean driving reminds me of district nine yes very similar to district sure so basically yeah. make a fake documentary about a zombie war Basically, yeah, and and do it real gritty on a say an eighty or maybe a hundred million dollar budget, um, and I think you would have come out uh, very well with both critics and and moviegoers alike. Um, it would have been an R rated movie. I mean, it would have been a much harder, grittier movie. But um, anyway, you, you could tell. In my opinion, I, I I saw the first trailer and I thought they've taken this super intelligent. Um, well-crafted book and they've turned it into a summer blockbuster which is fine but it it frustrates me i've said this before i don't care i'm not one of these people that says you know that feels like the movie always has to be exactly like the book or anything like that but it does frustrate me i don't understand the point behind buying a property and then creating a movie that is not only is it nothing like the property that you just bought but it it almost is a slap in the face to anybody who did enjoy that. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's alienating whatever fan base um, you, you should have built into. Uh, yeah, and that's what you're stuff. paying for. You're paying, right. you're paying for that fan base. Right. When, so you, that, op- I mean, when you option it. Exactly. So that's what we had going on behind the scenes. I mean, this is one of the more, you, the three of us have been trading text messages about it for, for six months or, or, or longer. It's, it's been one of the, uh, uh, one of the most, interesting um productions uh, of the last couple of years just everything that's been going on behind the scenes has been fascinating yeah so that all led to the movie so. i was actually seeing the movie yeah right now let's talk about let's talk about our thoughts on the on the actual movie um man I, i'll be honest guys i i saw it i think we all saw it on the same day on monday maybe uh i know brian and i did yeah, and I saw Brian, I saw Sunday. So okay, take that. Sunday. Take so, that. Oh, so Richard already knew what was in in store, but I got a I got a text in the middle of the movie while I was sitting <laughs> okay. from Brian, right. from Brian that said just got out of it, and I believe your direct quote was I really really liked it. Yeah. Um. So I was kind of I was kind of surprised at that point. I, so far, I had sat through half the movie, and I get uh. I get the text from you. I'm like, man, something, something must awesome must happen at the end of this movie. <laughs> uh, and it did. Uh, luckily, 
But um, it was just funny that uh, you you said really, really liked it, Brian. I was kind of yeah. surprised. Uh, this didn't seem like a movie that was up your alley at all. I know you don't care about horror movies. I mean, I'm a huge, huge horror movie fan, and I'll compare World War Z to some other zombie movies uh, here in a minute. But, Brian, tell me why, and tell us why, and tell the audience why you really, really liked World War Z. Sure. No, I, I you're right. I, I don't like horror movies. Um but I will say this, the thing that I enjoy about or that I respect about horror movies is that that sense of of tension um that that you're able to to create the suspense. Um I, I enjoy that kind of horror movie. If it's if it's a you know an Alfred Hitchcock type thing that is that is built solely on uh tension and intensity and and, and so on, um I I love that aspect. I, I, I enjoy when I'm watching a movie. I, I, I know maybe this is weird, but I, I, I kind of like being uncomfortable just from the sense of you never know what's about to happen. My problem with horror movies is that usually you get – I'm not a huge fan of – I don't enjoy gore. So that's, you know, that's obviously a turnoff from uh-huh. horror movies. Um, and I like to be able to sleep at night. So uh, this, this hit the right note for me, and I think this is why it succeeds as a film – it, it it straddled the line of a horror movie and an action movie uh, very well to me, and it it took the the better elements of both sides of of that uh, that equation and and put it together into a, a, a very nice cohesive uh, whole to where you I, I felt like the and you guys may may differ from me on this because especially you can I know you are a big horror movie fan but I felt like the scares um, whatever scares there were were very effective. They were built very organically rather than um, just putting horrifying things on the screen and just knowing that it's going to creep us all out. I felt like they, uh, most of the, I guess what I'm trying to say is most of the, the, the scare or, or, or terror, I guess that I felt throughout this movie. Yeah. And I did because it's very intense was built through the tension and the intensity of the, of the narrative. And I don't think that I think that's something that's missing, in my opinion, from most from most horror movies. Um, but I, I love the balance between the horror aspects and the the action movie aspects, and the fact that throughout that, um, they really and this is what's shocking to me, given all the production issues that we we've, we've had on this movie, it's 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 quite an accomplishment, in my opinion, that that, that Forster and whoever else was involved with with making the the, fin- the finished product kept the narrative so strong throughout cool. and, and, it and brought it yeah. brought it exactly brought it all together into this really really smart it I guess what I'm trying to say the it it has nothing to do with the book um at all pretty much except for the except for the title but it does embrace the the intelligent spirit of the book very very well and I I Man, I just I really liked it, and I did not expect to. I really expected that I was going to hate this movie, and um, and I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it. Um, on your point about the scares, it definitely is a movie full of more jump scares rather than gore scares. You know what Def- I mean? Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with with their desire to keep it a PG thirteen. Totally. Uh, which I I think kind of is in its detriment a little bit. I mean. People, I mean, when you think zombies nowadays, I mean, half the reason this this movie even got made, let's be honest, is because The Walking Dead is such a big deal. Yeah. Um, 
And, I mean, with a show like The Walking Dead, which is on cable, um, there's no really restriction on AMC. It's not like a, a, a pay-as-you-go, like HBO type thing. I mean, anybody can watch it, really, who has right. basic cable. And then on a show like that, the violence is absurd. I mean, it's the most yeah. violent thing you'll see in your life. More violent than anything you'll see at the movies. And, you know, when I first saw the movie, I'll be honest, I saw this movie twice, World War Z. Okay. First time I saw it, I was a little underwhelmed at the uh, whole zombie thing. I mean, I was like, surely, you know, they were going to give us more there. And then it occurred to me, holy crap, I just watched a PG-13 movie, not a rated R movie. Right. It, it was def- There was definitely a very big difference, I, I think, there. Uh, so I was a little disappointed that it didn't take zombies to the next level, if, if that makes sense, from where they were in my uh, subconscious already. Uh, from things like The Walking Dead and, uh, um, I don't know, Dawn of the Dead, uh, the most recent iteration, uh, stuff like that. Sure. So um, it was very, way more tame than I thought it would be for a, for a similar blockbuster, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? I sure. thought it would be, I mean, the most crazy zombie kills you'd ever seen. And, and there are crazy kills, but it's so different than what I expected. And so I really felt like I needed to see it again. Um because I needed to have a different mindset going into it than I did when I went into it the first time. I was sure. thinking, wow, I just want I just want zombies to be flying everywhere, and I want to see a lot of gore. That's all I wanted sure. out of this movie. Can I, so, can I interject yeah. something there yeah. real quick? The, I compare it to this. People, people trash on uh, the movie Signs, M. Night Shyamalan, because, yeah. um, because it's not a good alien movie. And they expect like it to be an alien in, yeah, yeah, they expect it to be an alien invasion movie, and it's, it's not. Um, it's not good on that front. And my, my counter to that, because I, I, I actually really love Signs. It's my favorite Shyamalan movie, and it's, yeah. man, I, I mean, I really, right, that. right. But I really love the movie. My, my, my counter to that is uh, Signs is not, is not about, it's not a movie, it's not an alien movie. It's, it's a movie about faith, really, legit. I mean, that's, that's what it is. Whether yeah. you consider that spiritual faith or just, faith in humanity, whatever you want to interpret it as it's, it's about, it's about faith. World War Z, despite its title, in my opinion, it's, and what makes it why I enjoy it and why I understand why zombie movie fans are not loving it so much. It's not a zombie movie. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a story about humanity really. And, um, and and I think that they play that quite well. Yeah, I can in my review I compared it to. I said it's a combination. It's like if Steven Soderbergh like took Contagion and then turned it into the a Walking yeah. Dead episode. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it, a, it reminded it's, it was just like it, to me it was like Contagion meets uh, like Ghost Protocol or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, it, yeah. To me, it sure. felt like a spy, like a just a regular action, like sci- yeah. like a thriller. You know what I mean? Totally, uh, totally. So. Yeah, it definitely had a different vibe than I expected. Uh, so the yeah. second time I went in, and I was had a different mindset, and I gotta say I enjoyed it a lot more the second time. Um, there are so many great sequences in this movie that mm-hmm. I, I really sort of overlooked the first time. Uh, I mean, the opening sequence is great when they're in the car and they sort of don't know what's happening, and then the yeah the, the truck you know barrels through, and he has to follow the truck out to kind of weave his way out of the city and. Uh, I mean, everything up until they get on the, the aircraft carrier is yeah. awesome. Uh, and, and they, I mean, they sort of 
I mean, I love how they set it up, um, you know, because they would be like, all right, now, now they're in an apartment complex. Okay, they got to get out of this apartment complex. All right, now they're in a something. Okay, now they got to get out of here. You know, it was like right. small little goals throughout each of the big sequences, or just one place they had to escape. There was no overarching big picture to a lot of the action, which I enjoyed. I mean, uh, you know, because it was like, all right, all we got to do is get down this hallway. But that's right. so hard because there's zombies in the hallway. You know what I mean? It's so totally. simple, but but it, there's a lot of tension in it. Uh, Richard Barden, mm. uh, give us your give us your thoughts on World War Z. I uh, I just realized I saw the wrong movie. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, you know I'm I'm much more in in the Gill camp than the Garrison camp uh, as far as horror movies go. Um, I I'm probably somewhere in between you both, but uh, I lean more towards Brian. I don't. I didn't find this to be much of a horror movie at all, or even really a zombie movie. It's, it's kind of a like, like Brian said. It, it works best on a on a thriller point, uh, more than a, a horror point. It's it's very much just kind of a, a thriller. Um, I'll go through honestly. I love the opening scene in Philadelphia, and then hated the next twenty minutes after that. Literally, was rolling my eyes. Yeah. When they were just going through the apartment building. I was yeah, like, it was, I, there was so much shaky cam in the first third of the movie. Shaky it cam, was, and, and also just the, I just thought, okay, well, this is going to be this very intimate story of this family, and it's going to be boom, 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 zombie, boom, 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 zombie, boom, 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 big zombie credits. Like, I thought it was just going to be a video game, formulaic, right? Ch- run, 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 fight, run, 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 fight, you know, and I was like, okay, I can't deal with this for two hours. Uh, but like you said, when it got to the aircraft carrier, it really opens up into this, uh, you know, almost contagion level, you know, what is the origin of this uh, story, things like that. So it, it's an uneven movie. It's a it's a pretty good movie, though. I, I, I liked it as much as you guys. I, I was entertained by it uh, on the most for the most part, um, especially when that one guy, the really smart doctor, uh, slipped and fell and shot himself. <laughs> Yeah, probably the the hardest I've laughed in a theater. Really uncomfortable for everyone around me. <laughs> and then Brad Pitt having to explain to everybody that he shot himself yeah. in the face. Yeah, yeah. That he didn't yeah. just die from being bitten or something. Uh, yeah, that was great. Um, but no, it's it's a it's a it's a pretty good little summer blockbuster, and it's unbelievable that they pulled it off. Yeah, uh, and they should be proud of themselves. But it's you know. What's what's great about this movie and you know why it's smart, Brian? Not only just in the script and there's some, it's it's really well acted too. I think Pitt's really good in this movie. Yeah. Um, and the the family's really good. The whoever uh, the girl that plays his wife that was in Tree of Life, um, is it was yeah. is really good. Morelli uh, Yeah, she's wonderful. Um, but what makes this movie smart is it's such a broad audience movie. You know, as much as you like zombie movies, can't and there are a ton of people that do. You are talking to two guys that really don't, and so, you know, this movie kind of at least is like a seven to everyone, and so they can make a lot of money that way. It's kind of an intro to zombie movies. It serves as, um, and so uh, it functions well on that level. Uh, so that's why the PG thirteen is is probably a really smart choice. It, it yeah. probably would have been a better movie at an R, I'm sure, but uh, it's a really smart choice you know, financially to make it a PG-13. You know, I think it's gotten to the point as a society where it used to be you had to be PG-13 to make any money. I don't think you do. In fact, as an R-rated, an R-rated comedy is probably going to make more than a PG-13 rated comedy as, you know, the hangovers and the old schools and the stuff have kind of changed that game. But I think in these kind of scary type movies, 
not scary, but you know, kind of jump scene thrillers. You're best at a PG-13 for yep. for making money. Uh, but it's a it's a cool little movie. I I enjoyed it, and by little movie, I mean it cost three hundred million dollars. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the stuff in Jerusalem the stuff in Jerusalem was really cool. Um, the plane crash scene was intense. Uh, I thought the effects were were great. I mean, it's a lot of money, but you know, it obviously went to something. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I thought good movie. I really enjoyed it. Go ahead, Kent. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say how how uh, tame this movie is for spending $300 million. Right. You know, you hear that number and you think, oh my gosh, this is going to be the most over-the-top thing to ever hit cinemas, you know? And especially when you see the teaser trailer and it's the guy, the uh, the zombies like forming the stack yeah. to go over the wall. You're like, all right, right. that's the teaser. What is the <laughs> actual thing going to be? Uh, but, I mean, that's basically the biggest, I, I guess... It looked to be the biggest thing that the zombies do in the movie is is kind of form that human wall. But, I mean, the the way that they shot the zombies was amazing. I mean, I, I kind of say it's bad for this movie to give us something different than the zombies we'd seen before. I mean, but they really had to, you know. They had to, they're like, all right, what is, what's the normal zombie? All right, they, they walk kind of slow. You know, they make this oh, sound. Right. Right. And these guys are the total opposite, you know. They're like really high pitched. They don't even really make noise, and they're like they have super speed and they can jump twenty feet in the air. Right. They're basically human grasshoppers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So man, it was really crazy the physics involved in the in the people and the zombies. I mean, I love the giant sweeping shots of the city where you know the people, were, yeah. normal people, were running away from the zombies, but you could clearly tell who was a zombie and who was a regular person, but just by the way they were moving. Uh, so that was really cool. Um, but, I mean, there's there's the big stuff like that, and there really is, like Richard said, um, a lot of the movie is just, I mean, centers around the family, and it's really, like, personal scares. And uh, so, so the first time I saw it, I was a little underwhelmed that the movie was called World War Z, and all we get is following Brad Pitt around, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yep. There isn't really a global scale to a lot of the movie, but I think it's kind of good. I mean, uh, this movie, like you said, Brian, it really straddles this line of over the top and you know perfect action movie, as well as you know horror movie and yeah. summer blockbuster. I mean, it, it straddles every line that sets out to to do perfectly. Um, right. It really kind of hits nail on the head. I mean. <laughs> It's a summer blockbuster that plot sort of makes sense, and yeah. it doesn't have a million plot holes, despite Damon Lindelof being involved. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna rip him every time I I can on this podcast. It's it's been established. Um, but it's um, no, like I said, it was I was very pleased with with how the whole thing turned out. I mean, and the last scene. And let's go into spoiler territory now, if you want to. Uh, yeah. Unless we have any other general thoughts. Uh, go see World War Z. Uh, that's yeah, a general thought. Recommend thumbs up. That's a recommend. Um, so spoilers coming up right now for World War Z. Okay, so when Brad Pitt sort of goes to uh, to the WHO, I guess stands for World Health Organization. Is that has yes. that been established? Yeah, okay. that works. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he goes there to find the cure. Um. I really loved. I mean, I if if this is what they needed to fix the movie, they definitely fixed the movie. Um, 
what a great scene and sequence this whole is. I think it's going to kind of go down in history as one of the great, you know, summer scenes uh, from a movie. Uh, so, Brian and Richard, I guess Brian first. Uh, give me your thoughts on the on the third act. I I really liked it, and I, I wanted. Did you guys read the the story about what uh, what the third act was originally? No, I was going to ask. No. If okay. Anyone so I'll, I'll give I'll just say I really liked the third act. I thought it was smart, and I and I I thought it worked. Kent, you said just a second ago this movie. One of the best things about it is that it makes sense in its own yeah. weird way, you know. And and that's what we that's what we want from a sci-fi film is you set the rules, you just have to operate within them, and they they did that very well with the story. So I, I thought that the the ending was um, maybe not perfect, but it was maybe a little too tidy. But um, but I, I really enjoyed it. So the the original ending. And I think this goes to, um, to what Richard said about you, you kind of made this movie that, that appeals to all audiences. Well, the original ending, uh, so they get on the plane in Jerusalem, and they end up landing. They don't crash. They, they land in, in Russia, and upon, upon arrival, um, all of the healthy members of the, of the flight crew or, or that are on the flight are rounded up and immediately enlisted in this like zombie killing army thing that they've got going in Russia and Brad Pitt's phone gets confiscated by this really, you know, awful, I don't know, army leader or something. All the old people and injured people and young people on the plane get immediately executed. So it's a real happy, happy start. Um, then they fast forward an, an unknown amount of time and you find bearded Brad Pitt uh, just become he has become like this zombie killing machine. Like he's just really, really good at it. And he has this team that goes around killing every all these zombies. And through this, he discovers that the zombies are susceptible to cold weather. And so they start, I don't know, getting rid of all their fires and stuff, and like drawing the zombies into the colder areas of of Russia oh my uh, to be able to kill them. And and somehow, some time through this, he he comes in contact with. The uh, the army guy who took his phone and also um, enslaved the uh, the the Israeli army girl that was with him on the on the plane. Yeah. So he he ends up killing that guy, reclaiming Israeli girl, gets his cell phone. Okay, now this is where it gets. Okay, like that's bad. Like it's not a good ending, right? Okay, it, it gets so much worse. So he calls his wife, and she answers the phone. She he hears his voice and all this stuff, and then she just like hangs up on him. So eventually he gets back in touch with the phone and it's <laughs> it's Matthew Fox, Matthew <laughs> Fox's character. Okay, yeah. so this is this explains why Matthew Fox is in this movie for for 2 minutes. I don't it's remember Ma- where was he in the movie? He, he's, he's a parachuter he's, or something. He's on the helicopter that that uh that rescues them from the apartment building. Oh, um, you're right. The early going, okay. So Matthew Fox says, "We live in a camp in the Everglades and it's a <laughs> It's basically swapagins, where the only way that you can live here is if you have something to trade, and the only thing that she has to trade is her body. So basically, he's just made Brad Pitt's wife his concubine, for oh, lack no. of a better term. And so the movie ends with Brad Pitt and Israeli girl and some Russian guy that he's buddies with, <laughs> basically. Um, Boating across the ocean, landing on the Oregon coast, and taking America by storm so that he can get to the Everglades and rescue his wife. And that's how it ends. Wow. So, 
pretty much the worst third act of all time. Quite different than what we got. And remarkably different from what uh, what the the tone is. So that kind of it kind of makes it clear why they felt like, hey, I know we just spent two hundred fifty million dollars in this movie. We got to <laughs> spend another hundred because this is not going well. Yeah. Wow. And that's where we get the uh, th- this ending instead. So that's what we had, guys. Just just think about what a what a weird experience. What what kind of weird stuff would we be talking about right now if if that's how the movie had ended? Unbelievable, and I hope that makes us a DVD. Totally, yeah, yeah. I would love to see a rock. That's true. You know, they had shot it all, and, and there's a cut of it like that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, I definitely want to see that, but that's quite different than what we got. Um, we get this sort of subdued third act. I mean, when the first time I saw it, I was like, "Really?" When the movie ended, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Because I was expecting this huge, you know, sure. more apocalyptic ending than than what I than what it was. But um, so the third act comes, and uh, basically Brad Pitt has figured out that um, the zombies only infect people who are terminally ill or have some kind of disease. Yeah, uh, they don't affect people who are terminally. Yeah, they yeah, yeah they they only affect people who are completely clean with no terminal illness. Right. Uh, so his plan is to give everybody a terminally ill disease but non-deadly or non-lethal incurable so that they can temporarily be camouflaged by zombies or right. from zombies uh so so that's the ending and you know he goes into the who and he has to sort of retrieve the uh the vaccine or a different you know agents to figure out the vaccine and he has to go into this vault and the vault is you know a couple hallways away and uh the place conveniently that he has to go to is full of zombies uh, but it's really, really well done uh, how him and his little team have to go through there and navigate their way through the zombies. Uh, with sort of the uh, the rest of the team watching them on security cameras, I thought that was pretty uh, effectively done. Yeah, totally. There. And uh, the little face-to-face meeting with Brad Pitt and the zombie when he opens the door to the vault uh, after he gets the vaccine was quite quite well done, quite scary. And a very epic shot of, of Brad Pitt leaving the... Uh, the vault area and all yeah. the zombies running by him. I think yeah. the, you know, the fact that they, that wasn't in the movie originally is shocking because right. I mean, that's so great. It's so cinematic. Um, so yeah, that's the third act. I thought it was good. Um, and at the end, I mean, I, I kind of don't like the whole trope of we've only just begun, you know, yeah. it's just kind of, I know it's setting up a sequel. Okay. We get it. Uh, but I mean, I've heard, and you guys can probably attest to this better that this movie is just setting up for the uh, to tell the story of the novel. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So and they're going to they start that, talking. Yeah. It's going to start getting to that narrative in the, the next two movies. Uh, so that, I guess this is going to sort of set up the story of how the war started in the first place. And uh, yeah, so we got a lot to look forward to. The sequel has been greenlit. Yeah. Uh, so it's coming out, and I haven't heard of Brad Pitt. will be back, but. I think he should come back. I thought it was a great performance by him. Uh, kind of the first summer blockbuster we've seen from Brad Pitt as a, I mean, as the star. You know what I mean? He doesn't really yeah. do these kinds of movies a lot. Um, and the only other sequel he's done, or sequels, I should say, are the Oceans movies, Oceans right. 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting if he even does a sequel at all. Yeah, I think Mr. and Mrs. Smith was blockbustery. That's really oh, the yeah. only other. That's, yeah, that's, kind that's, of. that's the only other one he's done. Which wasn't a big movie either uh 
despite it being, you know, Brad Pitt. Um, yeah. So anything else you guys want to mention about uh, World War Z? Yeah, I, I want to say one more thing sure. that, that I, I I think is part of why I enjoyed the movie so much. I watch a lot of these movies. Like, I'm a, I'm a sucker for the the post-apocalyptic type thing. Um, I And a lot of times they're not good movies, but I, I keep coming back. Like, I've seen all the Resident Evil movies. Like, me and Corey just sit around <laughs> watching Resident Evil movies. And they're all terrible, all of them. But I I can't keep myself from, from watching them. I want to say... Something that I really liked about this movie that I never see in in these sorts of of films, and this may sound a little a little lame, but I really appreciated the there was sort of this like undercurrent of of hope for humanity that like runs through everything that happens in this movie, um, especially in the first couple of acts or first two acts. Like over and over again, people go out of their way to help Brad Pitt and help Brad Pitt's family. And I, like yeah. I said, this may that may sound a little lame, and it's not. I don't need that in every movie that hap, you know, every sci-fi post-apocalyptic movie that comes out by any means. But I did think that when the the when we are kind of going on a micro level with a big chunk of this movie is about his family. Um, it made for a very a really nice kind of. Uh, uh, very different i felt like feel to uh to this kind of movie that you don't usually get and uh and i i really found that to be an appealing feature um that i and and certainly one that i did not expect to uh to come across um you just don't like i said you just don't see that in this kind of uh in kind of a movie it's usually hey it's every man for himself and it's a really harsh reality um whereas this really i felt like kind of embraced you know the part of humanity that you if if something like this or or any sort of apocalypse were to happen you would you would hope that at least some some members of society would still be able to um exemplify the better parts of of what makes us human you know what i mean i don't know if that's if that's take, making too yeah, much out of a, a blockbuster movie but um it it definitely resonated with with me and and, and was not expected for sure no i feel yeah and like like I said, I mean, this is really kind of a subdued, I mean, a shocking yeah. movie. I mean, it's it's way more emotional than I would have expected. Uh, you know, it's yeah. it's it's a really confusing movie. I will say that, um, <laughs> but I mean, enjoyable. It's definitely on the enjoyable side uh, for sure. Uh, anything else? Anything you want to mention, Richard? Before we move on? Uh, no, go see uh, World War Z. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure you will. It did very well opening weekend. I think almost 70 million. So it's got a long way to go to that 400 mark, but uh, it has a chance. I think definitely. Uh, let's move on though, and uh, go on to weekly recommends. So uh, Brian Gill, weekly recommends, sir. Yeah, I mentioned it last week, um, just briefly in my in our discussion of movie news. So I'll, I'll, I won't talk long, but. I, I've been watching The Sopranos for the first time um, from from the very beginning, and it might be the best TV drama of all time. So, um, man, it's just so good. I, I'm, I've watched through four and a half seasons now in about uh, less, probably less than two weeks or right at two weeks, and it is. I just can't get enough of it, and I'm blown away by how great. Uh, James Gandolfini is in that role and um, 
but really everybody around Michael Imperioli. Gosh, love the guy. Love it. Love this character. Um, it's a can't anything that I could say about the Sopranos has already been said over the last decade. <laughs> so uh, I'll just say it's a, it's a great show. I've really enjoyed watching it much more than I thought I would. Um, and, uh, I feel dumb for not having watched it before. <laughs> so the Sopranos. Nice. Um, I want I do want to mention that, um, all our weekly recommends are on our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Uh, so go on there and check out our weekly recommends. And also, uh, HBO Go is now on the Apple TV. So if it's yeah. a recent update. If you have an Apple TV, just update it and uh, plug in HBO Go. I'm, I'm really excited to have it. Um, I've started on my HBO series uh, marathoning of the summer. Sweet. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely going to hit up Sopranos. I'm, what have I'm, you been, what have you been watching? Uh, I'm Game, Game of Thrones right now. Okay. I think that's the the overarching. Uh, if you're not watching this, you're not anybody. Type it is. Show that's a big show right now. You yeah. know how I feel about the woods. Would, <laughs> would I, I would I enjoy Game of Thrones? I'm be, I'm I'm asking earnestly. Well, should I? Well, should there's I... a lot of woods. Uh, but I'm, I'm just now getting into it. I'm only about half a dozen episodes in. So yeah, um, it's I great. I haven't decided. I'm... It's really. I watched the whole show. There's way less woods than there is in like Lord of the Rings, Richard. So you'll you'll feel all right. If and there's you know sure. is you know my feelings for for the woods are uh, how do I put this um, I, the opposite of how I feel about no I, my feelings for the woods are the opposite <laughs> of how I feel about women's breasts and I, I've heard <laughs> I've heard that it also has for lack of a better word ample amount of the latter so maybe that'll make up for the forestry. <laughs> Right, you're yeah. you're not wrong. Okay, um, I will do my weekly recommend, and, and, and Brian actually has already done this one. Um, but you know, the timing the season just ended. I'm actually going to do Mad Men season six. Um, uh, kind of a weird, frustrating season if you're a fan of the show, totally. especially after how great season five was. Mm-hmm. But uh, a really great season finale. If you're not watching Mad Men, come on now, get on it. It's uh, We'll definitely go down as a top five TV drama so far. I, th- I I have it. I think Sopranos is probably going to be remembered as better, um, and definitely should get a credit for coming first. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, The Wire is probably up there. And I'm trying to think what else is on that. Well, oh, uh, Breaking Bad. Um, but uh, I really, really enjoyed the season finale, and it, it kind of set up uh, what's going to be the final season, which I'm. I, I have no idea where it's going, and so yeah. uh, that that's exciting. So uh, Mad Men Season 6 from Richard. Nice. Um, I want to recommend this week, for weekly recommends, a web series. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite web series ever. Uh, I think it's one of the maybe the first successful ones, uh, if there's even such thing. Um, from the, one of the greatest comedians of all time, Jerry Seinfeld, the web series is called oh, yeah. Comedians yeah. in Cars Getting Coffee. And... Uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee just kicked off its second season. I, I think, didn't know uh, that. Just a few weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, the first episode uh, features uh, Richard and I's favorite person in the world, Mr. David Letterman. <laughs> oh, so it's uh, wow. 20 minutes be... of, of Jerry and Dave uh, <laughs> drinking coffee and talking about cars. So basically, the, it's a, basically another show about nothing. Uh, Jerry basically just picks up his friend at the beginning of the episode and they drive and they go drink coffee. And then he drives him home, and that's the show. Uh, but it's it's done. I mean, he's got a lot of great comedians on there. I think Mel Brooks, who we mentioned earlier, uh, does it. Uh, Larry David is great as always. 
Uh, um, the bald, the Baldwin episode is probably Baldwin, my favorite. Alec Baldwin's on there. Ricky yeah. Gervais, who we mentioned. Um, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Super Dave. Uh, Bob Einstein, who's uh, uh-huh. Mel Brooks' brother, is another great Marty episode. Funk Hauser. Yeah, yeah, the funk, the funk man. The funk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorite characters in all of the world, and uh, you know, I I, uh, I absolutely adore um, uh, that show. I, I didn't know season two was. I didn't even know they were doing a season two, much less that it was yeah. out. So as soon as we finish this pod, I will probably go watch that. Yeah, he uh, um, he was talking about it with Dave Letterman on the on the Late Show, um, and he said because Dave was like, "Man, I really like that show." Uh, when are you going to do more? He's like, well, we don't know if we're going to do more. And he was like, but if we do, you'll be on the first episode. And sure enough, you know, it came out and he was on the first episode. So cool. he kept his promise. It's cool. Uh, so definitely check it out. It's on yes. YouTube. Uh, it's on crackle.com. And I'll post a link on the website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. So just go there and check out our weekly recommends and uh, check them out. Uh, but Brian Gill, let me ask you this, sir. Yes. Where can I find you online? You can find me on Twitter at bgill12, and you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard. You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barton, or you can find me on the interwebs at uh, richardbarton.com. Kent, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. You can find me also on our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. All our episodes are up there, our entire archive uh, for free and limited download. All week recommends. Uh, contact the show, follow the posts on Twitter, find all our info on madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Uh, anything else you guys want to mention before we get out of here? No. Hey, comment on, the, on iTunes. Yeah, in, yeah, in yeah the iTunes thing. And thanks again to Janny Pants for the review. Uh, so on that note, uh, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. See you. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, dude! That is a wrap.